We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, coming at you a day late and a... Well, no, no, I'm not a dollar short. I'm actually $1.1 million richer, but we'll get to that in a bit. Um, Of course, I am here with my once a week co-host, the man who um, props me up when I am in protocols. I actually haven't been in protocols yet, but if I were, I know he'd be right there to rescue me. Jeremy Cohen, hello, sir. I would rescue from afar. You know, I wouldn't physically go near you if you were in actual protocols. You're on your own on that one, buddy. But uh, yeah, you know, new year, new me. It's the mindset. There's, I don't really know what's really changing, but something's new, I guess. I was about to say, it's the yeah. same. I'm, I'm the same dirtbag over here. Andrew, new, new year, you knew you or same, same guy? I have I had no idea you were going to me. I was totally working on something else when you said that. Continue. Well, because last time, okay, just we'll, 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 we'll get to get into the episode today, but last I'll time- we, I, I, I got yelled at because I did not make it explicitly clear at the top of the episode that Andrew was not joining us as the, as the producer in the background. Because and I was, you then consistently referenced like, Andrew, how could you do this on the rundown? Oh, that's and why I was like, not there it. to respond. Okay. And so everybody not so to be disingenuous, like, self serious or self important oh. to be like, you have to acknowledge what I'm not here, Jonathan. No, it's just for the people listening or the people watching that. Usually expect a retort from me. No, I choose to believe you're on a power trip that that is just going to get worse. And that's Yo. that's the new year. Andrew. New you power trip. Andrew. yes. Arrogant Andy. That's arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's the title of the episode. There's the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we're, we're off to a rousing start here in 2022. Um, okay. Let's get right into it. Um, so we, we actually, have, we do have some news that, that came down on Monday. We're going to get to that in a bit, but let's first talk about the on the court stuff, um, which was, um, again, it's so funny. <laughs> I don't know. Funny is the right word, but like, okay, we had a two and two week, right? This team has been, Terrible all year. Not terrible. They've been not great all year. They had a week in which they won as many games as they lost. Um, they've been down players. Uh, they haven't had their whole team for any of these four games. And yet we're going to sit here and I have a feeling the mood's going to be a little a little dour. Is it not, Jeremy Cohen? I would say so. The funny thing about this week is that 
if you had just gauged the reactions and responses of people online, you would have thought the Knicks went 0 and 4. But they didn't. They went 2 and 2. And it just goes to show, we'll obviously get more into this, but this season continues to roll along merrily and it's, it's, not, been, <laughs> it's not been fun. Um, but this week I felt like was the least fun week. And even though the Knicks had a 500 week, which is better than we can say for you know most of the last however many weeks that we've been recording. I mean, I want to say since October, maybe there's been what one week where the Knicks were better and it was last week when they went two and one. Yeah. I mean, we, we've had like, we've talked about this before. We've had like two, maybe three, like definitely happy weeks. Like the first week was, I think was pretty happy. And then, although the no, the first was week was even <laughs> soured because of the, the, the Orlando game, the, re, the re-recording, right? Isn't yes. that what we recorded? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm so happy you said that because I, w- I was going to save it for a little bit later, but I'll just say it briefly now. And then we'll, we'll get into the, the Julius Randall of it all. So the Knicks, they obviously, they beat the Timberwolves. Played like crap. They beat the Pistons. Really played like crap. The subs finished the game and and had and came back to win it. And then um, some notable people were were missing, and they lost to the Thunder and the the Raptors. Um, I'm happy you talked about how this was just such not a fun week. And the reason I want to emphasize that up top before we get into anything else is I don't know about you. I was so excited for the Thunder game, and even after the Thunder game, when they took a million threes and they made like four of them. I was still kind of really excited for the Raptors game, even though I was kind of already ready for a loss there. Cause I, I the Raptors are pretty good. And obviously we were down Mitch and I was just like the first, I, I, I tweeted something out to the effect of like, boy, this has been the most fun three minutes to start a game this year to start the Thunder game when they were, I think up like 12 to three. And then like from that point forward, there was nothing enjoyable, even though we were getting to watch, the players that we've enjoyed watching the most all year. And you could draw a lot of conclusions from that. You know, guys, guys are in roles for a reason. And once they start to step out of those roles, some flaws get exposed and this, that, and the other thing, and we'll get into some of that stuff, but just, yeah, without even getting into the X's and O's, it was, it was a bummer of a week. It was. And you know, when people say play the kids, I don't know if that's necessarily what they mean, because of course we want to see some sort of veteran presence, but for those who are of the mindset, like, no, no, just give the kids a lot of minutes. And if they develop and they win great, they develop and lose, then it's, you know, it's whatever, because it's lottery odds. I think the romanticism of playing the kids that's often the word. doesn't really show up until they start losing, right? Like it's the sort of thing where it's great to see these young players and like Quentin Grimes is getting 31 minutes and Obi Toppin is getting 40 minutes. And we're seeing all these, you know, great combinations and, and young guys getting the minutes that we so crave and then they play. And then it's like, I don't really want to sit through many more games like this because it's, it's ugly. And granted you want healthy players to come back and it's just, it was a nightmare. Like, Can I take it, it a step further? It was a hodgepodge of a nightmare. I'm going to take it one step further. The, you can't convince me. And again, I'm, I, there's a part of me that thinks that they would be better off making certain moves between now and um, 40, uh, 37 days from now um, that would potentially improve their draft position. 
I think there is a there is a logic to that. I'm not sure if I'm here for it yet, but I think there is a there is a sound logic to that. And yet you can't convince me that if the rest of the season were essentially games like that, that even though those kids are playing, that the quality of development that would be going on would be on par with what we saw last year and the growth that was experienced last year from Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin and RJ Barrett, who every, every second they stepped on the floor was a high stakes second. And there was no, Oh, well, we're going to, we're probably gonna lose this one tonight. So let's just, you know, it's like that didn't exist every, it was all, it was all high stakes. Um, And I think the way to tank, if we're going to call it that we saw it uh, like firsthand, Uh, You could even argue with the Raptors game, but definitely with the Thunder game, like Oklahoma City's, they are going to figure out a way to finish with a bottom three record, maybe bottom four, but probably bottom three. And yet every time they step foot on the court, they're like, we have our leader. Well, unless Shake Alexander is on the sidelines, but like we have a guy that tonight he gives us a chance to win. And I, I, this is mostly going to be about Julius Randle, but if we're like, you know, coming right out with it, um, the Knicks don't have that guy. Like I know RJ Barrett kind of tried to be that guy, but, and I don't know if you want to, how much we need to get into that. You know, he's, he's not that guy. At least not yet. He is. I actually have an entire rant bottled up and pretty ready to go. And that actually unlocked it. Cause I was going to save it for another time. Go. I was thinking about detention. No, we can, we can get through the other stuff quick. It's fine. So every day, several times a day, I log on to Twitter and that's I, your, that's your first Twitter. mistake. Of course it is, but I do it because, you know, you have to keep up to it a certain extent. And I feel like Troy Barnes from community walking into the apartment with pizza and the entire room's on fire and people are fighting. And it's just, it's all about agendas consistently. It's all about agendas where it's Tom Thibodeau, Julius Randall, Evan Fournier, RJ Barrett. I mean, you name the player there's a a side for it's a civil war of some sort right and i just i feel like can i be there cap? Are all these what can you can be i what? be cap sure you can be cap <laughs> and i just it feels like people are fighting on this thing and whatever you know it's where you can do what you want you don't have to be necessarily rational but there are then kind of like data points that are used and completely misconstrued like this is what a julius randallist team looks like no this is what a julius randall team looks like without derrick rose Kemba Walker, a hobbled Evan Fournier, maybe Mitchell Robinson out, Nerlens Noel missed. Like, there are a bunch of guys who are not playing. And so I think the mindset of like, hey, just curious what it looks like without Julius, and you did a great job breaking it down in your newsletter, John, is well, what Thank if you. the team were whole outside of Julius, right? What would that start to seem like? Because then you get something like what Tibbs said with the whole backup quarterback analogy that some people took negatively. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, well, I don't mean to compare... Brett Favre to Julius Randle and Aaron Rodgers to Obi Toppin. But Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen. And he sat behind Brett Favre for three whole years and didn't really play. Can I ju- jump jump in real, real quick? There was a, a period of time towards the end of Brett Favre's career, and I'm not comparing Julius Randle now to the end of Brett Favre's career, where Brett Favre was a fairly atrocious quarterback, yeah. throwing up anything for grabs, Where, but they're still carried with him the reputation of a guy who a was good and B well, if he's in there, we could win the game. And I, I want to be very clear. The Knicks in no way, shape or form is currently constructed are a better team 
without without last year's version of Julius Randle or anything approximating last year's Julius Randle version of Julius Randle on it. I just want to make that very clear before you continue. 100%. And what you said that kind of got me to say, screw it, I'm going to say it now, is it's not a Tom Thibodeau problem. It's not a Julius Randle problem. It's all these other guys. Those are problems, right? They are 100% problems. The biggest problem is that the Knicks do not have the talent necessary to compete. And if Julius Randle Randle is not playing like a top 25, top even 30 player, then, then, you know, I mean, he was a top, he was a top 15, top 20 guy last year. Right. But if he's, if he's not playing up to even 75% of what he was last year, which I don't think is asking for a ton, then the Knicks are just sunk no matter what. Right. Because they have all of these guys who individually can work, but when you put them together, it just, it's not clicking whatsoever. And I don't regret for a second having last season, right? Because last season with the context of everything going on in the real world was a joy for me. We can talk about like, Oh, the Knicks should have tanked. Look, if Quentin Grimes becomes a really good player and the Knicks were the fourth seed and made the playoffs and won a playoff game. Sure. It'd be nice if they'd done more, but if they just do that and were rewarded with Grimes and Jakobitis and with McBride, then I think that's a pretty damn good season, but I digress. The point here is the one time where I feel like we get too, I don't want to say resentful, but when I see the expectations, right, of a season and how good the Knicks were last year and, and success has to be linear. So how come the Knicks aren't doing well when reality says that if the Knicks maybe had what they're 17 and 20, if they have two games that don't go awry at the end and they become wins, then the Knicks are 19 and 18. They're sitting above 500. We're not freaking out as much. And I think we've become so spoiled by what was just a fluke year in so many ways that it has completely changed our mindset, right? Like this past week, the Knicks won ugly games. They were hideous. And I think there's, there's absolutely things worth critiquing, but at the end of the day, the thing that matters to me, considering how the Knicks need to win and are trying to win games is that they won. And yet you go back, right? Because God forbid you just say like, oh, there's a nice win. Here's what the Knicks need to work on. You go back a month ago when the Knicks won, I'm sorry, when they lost to the Nets, when they lost to the Bulls and you had Alec Burke starting at point guard and the Knicks didn't do well in the, in the result, but the process was good. And what was the main thing that rose to the top? It was, no, we're, we're way too far for silver linings. There's no morals here. There are wins and there are losses. And I just think to myself, like, how the fuck are we so spoiled that we can just scoff at, at wins and be like, oh, every win has to be a good win. They're not all going to be good wins. They're not all going to be good losses. You take what you can get. And the grand te- context of everything we're seeing this year is that it's been bad, right? It's not been fun. We can admit that. Yeah. But the whole point with everything is like, we're looking at a team that Vegas thinks is 500, that probably is or should be around 500 if the team gets its act together and and makes some, does this. It doesn't matter. The point is they're hovering around this spot, right? And when you look at everything going on and it's like, well, okay. I mean, they're going to win games. They're going to lose games, but they're not all going to be this decisive, pure, phenomenal wins. They're going to be some ugly ones out there and we can just accept them and say, great, now let's work on it and get it done. And and that's why I don't want to lambast Twitter or or any of this because I just, I feel as though we have gone into, and I say this collectively, we have gone in with this mindset that the Knicks are a superior team and they should be so much better than all these other teams. And we don't consider the fact that like, okay, well, the teams above the Knicks all have guys who are playing at high levels. 
And when you look at the fact that when the pandemic started, right, Mm -hmm. the Knicks were the sixth worst team in the NBA that year. And that basket that, you know, Vince yes. Carter didn't matter, but that game would have been a deciding factor between where the Knicks fell and didn't. they landed with the eighth pick. But before they got the eighth pick, their team was essentially Julius Randle after a horrid season, RJ Barrett after a very short and mixed rookie campaign, it was a hard Robinson season. in his <laughs> second year. And that's pretty much it, right? They had all these guys that they were going to non-guarantee mm-hmm. Wayne Ellington. They, they brought back Reggie Bullock. They were a shell of themselves. And then you look at the fact that right now, since then, what have they done, right? They have gotten Obi Toppin and Emmanuel Quickly and Quentin Grimes, and they drafted Deuce McBride, who can hopefully be a rotation piece, and Jakobitis, who's doing very well in Europe. And they have signed Alec Burks, and they have traded and re-signed uh, Derek Rose. They also re-signed Alec Burks as well. And we have been suffering as Knicks fans for such a long time that I think we forget how long it does take to start to build something from the ground up the right way. And it's been two years. It's not even right. I mean, that, that was not even two years it's, ago. It's it been less than two years. It's been like a year and a half. Ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so when I look at that and I consider, okay, well, it's taking this much time. There's a reason why, because the Knicks as constructed don't have that star talent they need. And if they do, if that's, you know, the young talent, they need time to mature. And they're not matured yet. It's going to take time. And that's why I can't freak out about this year because it's like, again, there are so many safety nets in place. I would love to see the Knicks make upgrades, but if they keep sliding, then maybe it's not even tank. Maybe it's just, you know, uh, the classic Yankee way of Brian Cashman being like, well, you know, we're not going to go for it at the deadline because we got Severino coming back on. And there's other, it, you know, they could do the same thing with Derrick Rose. I guess the whole point of this rambling rant it's is not that, rambling. It's all coherent. Well, it, thank you. Cause I've, I've been trying to rehearse some of it in my mind, at least and it's all coming together. Now it's just that I think we really need to reevaluate where we stand as a franchise, as fans, considering the process, there are tons of things that can go right or wrong that, that need to be worked on a hundred percent. But at the end of the day, until you get talent in the building, <clears throat> it doesn't matter. And that's, that's the thing. It's like it, in my mind, it starts with Tibbs and Julius. We can argue one or two, whatever it needs to be. But in my mind, it's Julius first because he's the guy who needs to, who, he's, he's on the court. He's the one who was the all NBA player last year who needs to get right. And then it's Tibbs who needs to be responsible for corralling him and tightening a leash or at least putting a leash on to make sure that he can actually get right. Because when Julius isn't right, it's a mess. And this is why the idea of trading Julius for nothing in return, really, it doesn't work for me because then you see a product more similar to what we saw in the latter half of this week. Uh, well said. Um, first of all, you're not nuts at all. I uh, solicited questions today for uh, the newsletter for uh, mailbag questions. And I had a question that was, if Tibbs does not win 40 games this year, should he be fired? I mean, this is, but this is where the mindset of, of no, some people I, I are understand. Yeah. Um, that's number one. Number two, you're looking at things for, you're, you're kind of removing emotion out of it. And I think we're, we're conveniently in, in the defense of people who are very upset. And I'm, look, I'm not, you're not happy watching this shit. I'm not, no. happy, we're not, nobody's happy watching this shit, but in terms of zooming out and looking at the process, we are kind of conveniently forgetting the fact that in New York, at least there was a lot of hype from the off season 
uh, like with like, well, you know, if Kemba's Kemba and if for, you know, if that, you know, and, you know, certain media people like, well, maybe this team could, you know, sniff high forties, whatever. Then we had the preseason, which in which they look really good. Then we had the five and one start. So that's all been as a backdrop, which is why I think we're, we're, we're getting a lot of what we're, we're getting. That's number two, number three. And you nailed it with Julius Randall. He went from a guy who we were sitting here and having regular debates, uh, whatever it was a year ago about, well, if you could trade Julius Randall just to unload his salary, is that a smart move? And I, we, I would go back and forth myself. You were pretty consistent. Like, no, I think you hang on to him. But even like, it's not like you were saying that with all kinds of conviction. You were just like, well, nope. you know, well, right. It was more like get him onto this so-called max deal that you can get with up to 117 million. But no, I'm talking about I'm talking about before last season. Oh, before that? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I was more like, let's see how it plays out. Let's see how exactly. Right. He went from a guy who was essentially maybe a neutral asset, if that, on a 19, you know, million dollar or two years, 20 or 40 left um, to, as you said, um, an all NBA level player. And and. You know, a number of people have pushed back on uh, um, this notion of mentioning the all NBA part of his season as like, well, it's really disingenuous to mention that because we we realized we should have realized at the time that he was not a top 10 NBA player. As you pointed out, this wasn't about him being a top 10 player. I, I actually even argued last season. That I thought he, he had an argument for being top five MVP, putting that aside. It was about this is a guy that you can rely on. This is a guy that you could go into any game. And if he's there, you know, you can revolve other things around him. And those and they made decisions this off. Say what you want about the decisions they made. Pretty much every decision they made this offseason was with in some way, shape or form connected to the fact of we believe in this guy and we are going to help him be the best version of himself. That whether it is Julius Randle's fault or it is Tom Thibodeau's fault or it is nobody's fault. And it is just what happens sometimes when the shots don't go down. Um, that is what has gone awry is that that thing that they thought they would be able to rely on is not a thing that they could rely on. And then everything else is a trickle down effect. And then that's, you know, why we're here when we had this week where Julius Randle, you know, went from, um, Showing signs of life, right in in the Christmas game, to having arguably the two worst back to back performances of his Nick, maybe not of his Nick career because there were some they're up there, they're up there in the in the Wolves game and then the Pistons game, and then you know I got on here on the live stream after it was announced that he he was in protocols. Like I I said like look I'm 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 not rooting for the guy to get. I'm not happy he's sick. I'm not like rooting for anything bad, but I'm very curious to see what transpires. And then, by the way, in between that and the first game, Kemba Walker turned his ankle in warmups and we didn't get a Kemba Walker Fournier. led. What's that? Fournier, his ankle. And then Kemba's knee. Knee. Sorry. Sorry. Yep. Fournier's ankle, Kemba's knee. But I want to focus on Kemba because instead of getting a guy leading your team who had was several days removed from winning uh, player of the week award in for his conference, they had a rookie leading the attack. And look, we all love Deuce McBride here at Nick's Film School, but like Kevin Walker, Deuce McBride. Um, so I, I'm not sh- And then the last two games, and now we're sitting here with like the figuring out 
I, I, figuring out life, you know, uh, uh, like where do we want to go forward as, as Nick fans? Um, what are we rooting for? What are we not rooting for? Um, and I, it's, it's complicated and people, I think to your point about the narratives, part of it all is, is people do try to make it a little bit overly simplistic in some aspects. And the reality of the stuff is like, you know, it's complicated. It's complicated. And, it's, and guess what? The last thing I'll say, and then I'll turn it back to you. It's not just complicated for the Knicks. It's complicated for like 20 NBA teams. Like there's the four or five teams at the bottom who there's like, it's nothing complicated because they suck. Everybody knows they suck. There's nothing they could do to not suck. And they're just going to keep sucking. And then there's the, I mean, how many teams, maybe more than five. There's uh, the three teams in the West. Chicago's got it pretty well figured out. Brooklyn will give them the benefit of the doubt. Milwaukee, they've got it figured out. Um, Cleveland's doing pretty well for themselves. So there's like maybe six, seven, eight teams that are it's like, okay, things are really going well for those teams. And then there's the other 18 teams in the sport. And some of those teams are doing better than others. And the Knicks are certainly on the bottom half of that spectrum. But like most fan bases have these sorts of conversations and are sorts of frustrations. I think, I think we just, we think it's like, Oh, Tom Thibodeau is the worst coach of the NBA or Julius Randle's well, Julius Randle's been pretty bad, but like everybody has issues with their star and like this, that, and the other thing. So yeah, that's where we are. I think the one key thing is it was interesting to hear Tibbs talk about a lack of effort for that Raptors game, because the thing is that pretty much everyone on the Knicks outside of Quentin Grimes and Deuce McBride had experience playing in front of next to no fans. And I say next to no fans because there were some family members and close friends. It's empty arena. Yeah. Right. So it's not, you know, I, I can understand if, Oh, that was super weird. And, and now it's normal, but now it's weird again, whatever it is. That to me shows a deeper problem than just Julius Randall. I think what's so frustrating as a fan to watch this is that we give our time and our energy yeah. to watching a team that, we want to see play hard, right? And the team's not going to care about us. Like at the end of the day, the players on that squad aren't going to care that you, John, or that I or Andrew or anyone listening exists. But collectively, you would hope that they do. And it feels like a slap in the face when the team doesn't perform up to task to at least show their effort, right? Like if the Knicks were losing, but trying really hard, you could respect it. But right now, when you see guys you know, like when Randall, when as, as Wally Zerbiak was talking about, like dying on screens where he refuses to play as hard as you feel like he should be out there. It feels like a slap in the face and it feels like you are not being respected because you put a lot into this. And sure, they put more into it because it's their jobs and their livelihoods. But you want to see something that is redeeming coming back to you. And when I watched the team this past week, there was nothing redeeming outside of the fact that they managed to get two wins. But I do think that something worth noting is that for two of those games, they were against Minnesota and Detroit. They were the wins. And we could talk about like, oh, well, the Knicks, you know, need to be better than those teams. And sure, on paper, they absolutely do. But I think we are also forgetting the fact that the guys in Minnesota, the guys on Detroit, the ones who are healthy, they're fighting for their careers. Like that's yeah. what I was talking about last week with the whole like the Knicks players individually for the most part are comfortable. The only guy who really needs to get paid this year is Mitchell Robinson, assuming he's still on the team. And then after that, it's it's maybe an R.J. Barrett extension, but he's got more time than that to figure it out. Greg Monroe is out of the league for over two years. 
He's fighting for his NBA career. Of course, he's going to play hard against the Boston Celtics. And the next night, you know, they're going to try to do everything they can. They're going to use that time. It's on the Knicks to then recognize that and say, well, like if they're going to be fighting because everything is on the line for them, then we need to fight back with the same energy. And they didn't. And it's like, I, I have a bigger problem with them playing down to the competition, but we also don't ever respect the competition. We as fans never say like, oh, they played great. It's always, we played terribly. And that yeah. bothers me because it's like, well, no, they, they are fighting for well, a reason. Yeah, yes, but I think to play better. But again, you can't underestimate other teams. Other teams are capable of playing well, like that Wizards game. The Knicks played terrible defense. The Wizards made shots in the fourth quarter. They were great offensively. It doesn't just have to mean that one team shat the bed. It can mean the other team did well. And the same thing works in reverse. So when I see, you know, and, and again, when the Knicks play the Thunder, it's like, well, the Knicks have $62 million in, in players basically missing or, or something like that, right? The Thunder don't pay their players anything. Their highest paid players <laughs> on the Knicks in Kemba Walker. And then you look the next night and it's the Raptors who are the finally fully healthy for like the first time since game one of the regular season. Yeah, and they, they're a good team. They're great. And yeah. it's just, I, I just. Well, no, I think, I think it's frustrating to a lot of people because the Knicks collectively, this may not, I, I don't know if this is actually true, but it felt at times like we were getting a team last season that played like their collective careers were on the line, you know? And I think if you go back and you actually like watch the tape, like, yeah, you're going to find plays where Julius Randle was dogging it last season. Right. Um, except they weren't exposed as much because he was insulated better than he has been this year. And like, you know, I could, I could push back and be like, well, they take, you know, it's not like they were dogging it against the, the Raptors or dogging it against the thunder. But at the same time, there was a collective spirit, that was missing for those games, just like there was a collective spirit that's been missing for large segments of, of lots of games this season. And I think that's where the frustration is rooted. And that is where it gets back to Thibodeau because Thibodeau won coach of the year last year, because he again, took a team that was picked to win 20 and a half games. And he, he led them to 41 wins. Um, largely because we were the team that had other teams complaining about other fans complaining about their teams when, after they played us, as opposed to recognizing like, Hey, the Knicks came out and they played really hard and they did everything they needed to do. They didn't beat themselves and they won the game this year. It hasn't been like that. We've been, as I just referenced a moment ago, we've been just another team. And when you're just another team in terms of your effort level, again, not like, you know, Sacramento Kings this season, like effort level or not like Knicks teams of teams past effort level, but like not crazy high effort level, then it's going to often come down to talent. And this gets back to the very first thing you just said on your rant, which is that the Knicks have less talent than, I don't know how many teams you want to count, 20 teams in the league, 21, 19, 18, something in that vicinity. And guess what? Guess what the Knicks are rated in, in net rating? They're 22nd. So, you know, there you go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So we'll bring it back before we give out game balls and, and go with the news. Actually, news, then game balls. Um, they went five and four in the first nine of these games where we had been, we've been talking about this for the last few weeks where there's this 18 game stretch. They really need to take advantage of They're five and four in the first nine games. Um, like, are we sitting here being like, they have to go what six and three, seven and two. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at these. So just to get ahead of ourselves, we're not going to do predictions yet, but just so we're, we're all on the same page. Um, here are the Knicks next nine opponents. All right. The last nine, by the way, I think looking back, there was probably a little bit more damage they could have done. Here are the next nine Indiana at home. As you're listening to this, that'll be tonight. Then home and home against Boston. San, who's been playing better, but may not have Jason Tatum. Uh, San Antonio, who's been pretty good, although they've been without DeJounte Murray, although I think DeJounte Murray is going to be back for that. Dallas has Luka back. At Atlanta, has their, they talk about a team that's healthy for the first time. And then four straight home games, Charlotte, Minnesota, New Orleans, Clippers. Now, we originally identified that being the end of this 18-game stretch where they needed to clean up. Looking, looking at those nine games, like I'm not sure that there's one game in there where I'm like, oh, good, we get to play Team X. We're definitely getting a win there. Um, I, you know, So I don't even know if I'm approaching this like... I don't even know how I'm approaching this. I'm kind of approaching this like, look, at this point, whatever fucking happens, happens. Whatever's going to be, become of this season is going to become of it and what's meant to be will be. It's 100% anything goes. And, at, you know, at my heart, I am an optimist. I think it's just a better way to live my life. But if I'm being realistic, when Julius went out, my first thought was like, okay, well, I hope he's okay. Uh, my second thought was, I'm really curious how the team looks. And my third thought was when they lost the Thunder, thinking this honestly might be the season. And again, I don't, I don't mean to sound so cynical. It's just when you no, it's, it's talk not. about what, you know, the games you just laid out where they're not easy games, where it's a different kind of losing that you have without Julius Randle versus with him. One is clunky. The other feels like, do we have a prayer right now when everyone else is out, when you're missing, you know, the engines of the, of, um, I mean, the fact that you talked about with Deuce earlier, I, 
I would have started Emmanuel quickly. I don't really understand separating quick and OB if you're going to talk about the connection that two have. I understand the need for uh, dribble penetration that you get from Deuce, but I think Tibbs also realized a little bit more of uh, maybe I should try it differently when in the start of the second half, he had quickly and then he brought Deuce in. I mean, benched him I mean, first. That and was garbage back time. Right. Yeah. But even still, like I, I am concerned about what that means. And the fact is that the Knicks really aren't that far away from having really good lottery odds. And I don't, again, I'm still at the point where I am rooting for the Knicks to make the playoffs because I think that you can make more noise. And I don't mean that. I, I, I recognize that I just ranted about the fact that the Knicks don't have talent. And now I'm advocating for them to have lower success in terms of the draft and the odds of picking a great player. But I do think as well that we did try the whole tanking thing and we didn't have the right infrastructure in place in terms of drafting and developing. So it's very different this time, but it's still kind of like you want to stay relevant. You want it to feel like last year wasn't a complete fluke and that maybe you can, you know, make something interesting. And and then it's like, okay, cool. The Knicks are still competitive enough, but at the same time, I'm okay with the idea of the Knicks not making the playoffs. It's not my preference, but I would be fine with it. And honestly, if we talk about the Julius Randle contract, if he doesn't get right, his contract is affected with the likely bonus not converting if the Knicks don't make the playoffs. So again, I'm not saying that as a reason for people to then be like, oh, well, now I'm really interested in the Knicks not making the playoffs because it's like $1.8 million, guys. It's not a huge difference, but it's still something. Regardless, I'd rather pay that bonus and make the playoffs than the other way around of as, as missing I, the playoffs and not paying for that bonus. So, yeah. but with all of that being said, it's then like, well, what happens, right? If three weeks from now we've gone through the slate of games, and I I said that ten and six of the sixteen games or whatever it was was like that gets you to five hundred. You're in a better yeah. spot. Eight and eight gets you four games under five hundred. Seven and nine six games like or five. I mean, it, the point being is that it, the thunder game, I don't want to say a must win because it's one game of an well, game season in the end of December, but it's yeah. one of those games where you look back and it's like, it's that one. It's a magic game. It's any there's of the other been, games that, that there's feel been like a few that games. have slipped away. Yeah. And then you think, you know what? So be it. If that's the way the season goes, you got safety nets in place. You have protocols. You're fine. You can manage and you can tinker in the off season and you can build a better product. But so, as things stand right now, it's hard for me to feel super optimistic about the way things are going because things just aren't going very well. So we're not, we're not going to do the whole, um, what could they get for no. Alec Burks, Derek Rose thing. We're not gonna do that yet. Um, I do think, uh, pressure for, for right now is the notion of Kemba Walker and like, Again, he's missed two games. They're they're supposedly going to get test back today, according to something you know Mike Breen said on the broadcast. They are uh, rumored to be signing Ryan, or no, sorry, they actually officially signed Ryan Archidiakono, who is a like he's an energy point guard that was has been in Chicago the last four years. Um, it's just an interesting move that uh, and Shams reported that that is probably going to be converted eventually to a full season deal, which now they have an open roster spot. We'll get to that in a second. Um, it's interesting that they made a signing at the point guard position. Uh, you know, especially that they have dues, have quickly the whole thing. Does that portend something for Kemba? We don't know. Maybe, who knows? Maybe he's played his last game as a Nick. We don't know. Um, and then there's the, the you know, the Julius Randall of it all, which I know we're, you know, 
February 3rd isn't circled on anybody's calendar. Um, but I did think this week in, in some post games, there were a couple of just, you know, interesting fake trades that came up. I, I'm curious to what you think of both of these. So one we had from Aaron Roy, which was uh, Patrick Williams and Derek Jones Jr. for salary purposes from Chicago for Julius Randle. Now, before I say anything, uh, Andrew, get your drink ready. On the, the Low Post podcast uh, this week, he talked about uh, the uh, Jeremy Grant sweepstakes that may or may not be developing ahead of the trade deadline because he is probably going to be like the quote-unquote best player made available um, ahead of the deadline because obviously the Pistons aren't going anywhere and, you know, whatever. And an idea that was pitched was like, well, would the Bulls give up? Um, Patrick Williams, who was the fourth pick in the draft a year and uh, about a year ago, uh, who's out for the year also because of an injury he suffered against the Knicks, would they give him up for Jeremy Grant? Julius Randle, in a vacuum, even with the struggles he's had, is a better player than Jeremy Grant. But I wonder with the way the Bulls are built and the fact that they already have two, I mean, one. Isolation. Well, no, I mean, I, I can't even call either of them isolation scorers because they're both the DeRozan's a really good passer and Levine like can pass. Like, I almost don't know. Would they rather have Jeremy Grant than Julius Randle? I kind of think they might. Would you would you do that trade? I should ask. I mean, if I'm the Knicks, then I certainly consider it, but it's the same, it's the thing where I don't even see why the Bulls would do it. The only reason I don't, I I don't the think Bulls they would do it is if they turn Julius Randle into the Thad Young of last year. Right. Like yeah. a backup big who can facilitate really well and do things. But that's also not necessarily what Julius Randall might be best at. Like, I'm sure Julius Randall against uh, second units would dominate. But at the same time, if I am Chicago, I probably don't do it because, yes, is it basically saying like right now, Derek Jones Jr. for Randall? Sure. But Randall also has just not looked good. And I don't think we're at the point where we can say that we can sell high on him as a player. I don't even think we could say we could sell high on Jeremy Grant because he's been injured all year. He's a good player as well, but it's like, okay, would you rather be bad or would you rather be injured? I mean, at least with the injury, you can blame it on something with being bad. You hope you turn it around. Um, I just don't see Chicago going for that. I don't think they would either. I, 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 run to the fax machine to fax that one into the, which is exactly why Chicago wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, it feels like one too many cooks in the kitchen uh, for the bulls. The other one, this is from Jason M. Um, could the Knicks be back in the Colin Sexton sweepstakes again, Sexton also out for the year. Um, be, uh, and his notion or his thought was, you know, could they give, I, I don't know if he, he, Named a specific player, but I guess it was maybe it was something like I don't know. I could see uh, Alec Burks would work for salary purposes, um, like Sa- Burks and uh, you know maybe like the Charlotte pick or something uh, for for Sexton. I could see maybe that being fair value for a play. So so what you'd be getting is essentially the rights, the restricted free agency rights for Colin Sexton, who's a player that we think. It, there was legitimate interest of the Knicks in the past. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Um, and if I was Cleveland, I, I mean, I don't know what, but to me, if Cleveland's doing that deal, it's because they lack 
any confidence that they have a chance of signing Sexton to a fair, a fair deal in this offseason. And what's a fair deal for him? You know, I don't know. Five for 80, four for 64, something like that. I don't even know. But it's a hard pass for me. The reason I say that is just because this was supposed to be the year we were supposed to see what Sexton could do. And he's injured. And you're going in blind by hoping that the idea of what Sexton can be is far better than what Sexton really is. And we don't fully know what an unleashed fourth year or future Colin Sexton is. could be a good player, but it's, it's, I would rather take the chance of trying to sign and trade for him in the off season than I would by trading Alec Burks and maybe a first round pick for a player who number one, can't play for my team. And number two, I don't fully know what he's going to look like when he's fully healthy. Um, You know, like if we're talking about Archie Diacono, Personally, if he's signed to a full year deal, then I would hope that he is the second, the first of two Villanova point guards who is on this team with the other one being Jalen Brunson in this case. Like he is putting together a far better campaign than someone like Colin Sexton. Uh, He who is an unrestricted free agent who you have to figure out sign and trade. You don't have to worry about, you know, base year compensation and, and how do we influence um, Chicago or, or Cleveland or in this case, Dallas, like you just remove a lot of the restrictions. You don't have to pay uh, a ridiculous amount to get that player away moving forward. So I, I, I'm just not really interested in sex at this moment. I, I don't know if it's a hard pass for me, but I have the same trepidation that I did over the summer, which is like, I just, I'm really not interested in paying Sexton's next contract based it's, on what he it, thinks. Just he to is. clarify, it's a hard pass giving up guys like, Burks for salary and value and a first round pick. I don't, I don't want to give up that type of haul yeah. to have the and, privilege to pay Colin Sexton. And he's if you're a good like, player, but yeah, no, well, not quite there. Yeah. Well, I think he's a good player in the right role. Is he willing to accept that role is a valid question. And for anybody who's like, who cares? This team's not going anywhere this year. You know, what does Alec Burks matter? Well, I think a contender out there might be willing to give up a first round pick for Alec Burks. Um, okay. We've been, talking for uh, a long time and we haven't mentioned the, the news of the day. And that's because the news of the day was pretty fucking meaningless. Cause I don't care about uh, James Dolan lining his pockets. Although it's, it's, it's not as quite as simple as that. So uh, let me see if I could do this very briefly. Uh, the Knicks got in on uh, what was previously a two team deal in which the Cavs were acquiring Rajon Rondo from the Lakers for Denzel Valentine because of the Lakers salary situation, which we don't need to get into. Um, Denzel Valentine would have cost them as Bobby March pointed out on Twitter, effectively $4 million because of luxury tax issues. Um, so they needed a team to take Denzel Valentine off their hands. And the reason why the Knicks were a perfect candidate to take Denzel Valentine off their hands was because the Knicks apparently were all indications at least would seem to point to the fact that they were planning on waving Wayne Selden anyway. And how do we know they were planning on waving Wayne Selden anyway? Because uh, what 72 hours from right now, his contract was set to become fully guaranteed again, referencing the report from the athletic uh, Ryan Archidiacono is a candidate to stick around for this the year. The only way that could have happened is without Wayne Selden because Wayne Selden is the 15th man on the roster. So if they're going to wave Selden anyway, might as well um, pick up what was I, I reported as one point one million dollars for taking on Sexton for taking a Freudian slip, taking on Valentine, um, and then immediately waving Valentine, and now having an open roster spot uh, yet again. 
they also got the draft rights to two players who I'm not going to try to pronounce their names, Jeremy. If you would like to try to pronounce their names, you're more than welcome to. Um, and they also gave up in the trade because they had sent something back. The the draft rights to uh, 2014 draftee, Louis Laboyer. How'd I do there? Is that Louis Lavier? <laughs> Louis Lavier. I, 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 I can't Le remember Le the exact spelling of it, so it's hard for me to pronounce it. I think it's shout out, shout out Phil Jackson. For, what did he give up for the rights to Louis Lavier? It was uh, the Pacers pick. That's well, they, they got it from the Pacers. I think it was just cash at that time. Oh, maybe they got it for cash. Okay. Did I miss anything, or is that that I basically? I, it, the long and the short of it is, the Knicks took on Denzel Valentine for about twenty minutes, so they could get one point one million dollars from the Lakers, so the Lakers could save. For, for about $4 million. Pretty much. As Bobby Marks tweeted, you know, the Knicks still have to pay Denzel Valentine for another three days. So it'll wind up being more of like a net of 1.05 million. The point here a cool is mill. That, right. The Knicks, every team really, there are two allocations, this is to my understanding, where you have cash you can trade and cash you can receive. This is what so I yeah. what the Knicks did this past summer was when they when they acquired uh, Evan Fournier in a sign and trade, they had to send something out. So what they sent was cash. The minimum amount of cash that you can send out is $1.1 million. So the Knicks got the minimum amount they could send here. I've been trying to get clarity on how much the Knicks sent for Fournier. But if you're thinking like, okay, well, let's say they sent 1.1 out and they're getting 1.1 back. So it's it's even, they can just keep going. It's not quite the case to my understanding. It's like it's around $6 million where you have receiving and cash that you, cash that you send out. As it's the not most. like you can dip into one or the other. As the yeah. It, $6 million is the most you could do in any league year. Just about. Yes. Yeah. But it's not like you can... It's not one fund where you're operating and it's now a net of zero or whatever. It's, it's like now the Knicks could still use that money to buy a second round pick. And in, if anything you would hope as a Knicks fan that that money gets reinvested into the product and doesn't just go into Dolan's pockets. It's more just like, cool, they can take that money, use it, and then it feels like they netted another second round pick that maybe they can use to trade up in this draft or do something differently. Um, That is kind of where you want it to go. It's really a meaningless move in the long run until it means something. What I'm a little surprised about is... um, Louis is 29 years old, I want to say. Okay. The Knicks acquired two players, uh, one who's 27 and the other who's 36. So I thought that they would have traded one of their older players that they hold draft rights to. Uh, They hold 10 players in total right now. But I would have thought like uh, they hold the the rights to uh, Axel Hervel. Maybe because he's 38 years old, they would have traded that instead, right? Because he'll retire and it'll Mm. expire and then it's fine. So- you know, you hope that the guy isn't retiring anytime soon, but if he does, then it's then they like lose a, the rights a to one an additional one. player. Right. Yeah. And so, well, you know, but, but again, it's, it's trivial. The point is they turned what would have been nothing into something minor. We can move on. We can now figure out who is going to slot in. I think if the Knicks, you know, and that's the other thing I wish that we knew about Kemba Walker's health right now, because if we did, if we knew he was unhealthy, then Signing Archie Diakono makes a ton of sense, right? If they said well, Kemba Walker back, I could understand the Daniel House angle of it, considering he turned down other teams to come to the Knicks, and you know he wasn't great in his five minutes of play. But you know, you want and uh, the one thing, one last thing I'll say. Yeah. Ironically enough, 
there is one player who could have made sense and the Knicks didn't have to do anything. And I won't cry any tears for Argentina, but it's Luca Vildoza. Uh, if Vildoza were on the roster, then the whole point guard glut wouldn't really be a problem because they would have the depth they need. It doesn't really matter. They waived him. They'll figure out what they want to do with the 15th spot, which as I've stated before, I could not care about at all if you wanted me to. Um, so, but that's, that's I, the minutia of how well, the Kemba. No, the Kemba part of it is interesting. And I think other than just the, the perpetual riddle enigma wrapped in a riddle that is Julius Randle, the most interesting thing about this next season moving forward. Now that Kemba Kemba's health is in question and Derek Rose is going to be out for somewhere between four and six more weeks is like, who do they run out there at point guard? Because it, it, you know, it, it's, it's going to determine whether how, how likely it is that they win games because um, I mean, for all the obvious reasons, it's a, it's a point guards league right now. Um, okay. Uh, let's move on. So game ball, uh, Andrew has a number of players listed here or people listed here. Zibanejad. How'd I What's do? The, well, start the, we'll start with the first name. Mika. Nice. Okay. And the Zibanejad. Close he's Italianizing it up a little bit. Yeah. Zibanejad. Zibanejad. Okay. Say it, Jeremy. Mika Zibanejad. Yeah. Zibanejad. These sound better coming out of your mouth. It's, um, he's uh, what? Iranian and Swedish, but he was born in Sweden. So. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, he's not getting the game ball from me. Uh, I'm giving well, a game ball. Do you even know what he did for why he's on this list? Is he one of the players that got back? No. Right? <laughs> he's a hockey player. He plays for the Rangers. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yesterday at the game Andrew attended. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank, thankfully, I didn't put Igor Shesterkin on here either, who had a shutout against the defending champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, who the Rangers have no problem beating opposed to their counterparts in Long Island or Belmont, wherever the Islanders play now. I think I can name one, hot, one NHL player today. Who? John Tavares. Yes. And the only reason you know is because of the outrage when he left, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and JB used to talk about it. is Is Alexander Ovechkin still in the league? Yes. He is? Okay, so two. That's it. That's all I know. Any, anybody that plays for the Penguins? Is Yammer Yager still active? No. No. What's the capital of Australia? I know Mario Lemieux is not still active. What's the capital of Australia? Oh, Sidney Crosby. Yes. There you go. Okay. There you go. That's great. Uh, so three hockey, hockey corner here. <laughs> hockey corner. Uh, I'm giving my game ball to Alec Burks. Uh, did Alec Burks have a better week than Obi Toppin? Um, I don't know, but Alec Burks, I am uh, after this week, I am firmly of the belief at this point that Alec Burks has had the best. Like when I, when I, I don't know if I'm doing like, if we're going to do, or I'll do grades for like the first half of the season. But if you're asking me to pick right now who has been the best Nick of the first half of the season, it's Alec Burks. And uh, they do not win the um, Pistons game uh, without him, certainly. Um, you could say that about several other games this year. Uh, I know his numbers weren't great in the, the last two games that they played, but there was a sense like, I wrote it today. Like he felt like the adult in the room. He always feels like the adult in the room, especially when he's out there with the kids who maybe don't always have it together. I just think we should appreciate what this guy has meant to the team, not only this year, but last year. Um, and the fact that they have him, by the way, right up your alley, Jeremy uh, Brock Aller. The fact that they got him on a deal 
that has a, a team option for the last year, like that could be really, really valuable to certain teams around the league. I'm not saying like Alec Burks is like that amazing, but when you're a team that has trouble signing free agents and you could get a guy who is very clearly a quality role-playing wing. Now, will he still be as high a quality in, I guess a year and a half from now in like the year three of that deal? Eh, maybe not, but like, I think, I think Alec Burks has, has turned himself into, if nothing else, a nice trade chip. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, he's getting my, my game ball. I think he's definitely the number one option for players who should get the game ball. Um, I could give it to Mika. The fun thing about the Rangers, I've stayed as far away from Rangers hockey as possible because the Knicks are sliding, the Giants are trash, and the Yankees can't play baseball. So I feel like anything I touch dies. So I'm just letting the Rangers do very well from afar and enjoying the success and not watching the games. Your service Um, is noted. Thank Thank you, you, Jeremy. Of course. Uh, And I will be at the parade if it happens, but until that happens, then I won't be anywhere near there. Uh, In terms of another person winning the game ball, I guess I'll go with Obi. You know, I 19, six and six is fun for sure. Especially when you play 40 minutes, it's just the sort of thing where I didn't feel a lot of joy when I watched the Knicks. And I know Obi didn't feel a lot of joy based on how he was prioritized. And I think it's the big thing where the Knicks are really desperately missing Derrick Rose more yeah. than I think people want to let on. Yeah. Not to say that people think he's not being missed, but even with a down last month before the surgery, and maybe that was the reason why his production was down was because the ankle was bothering him so much that it was a problem. Um, it's hard to see him fly. And it was nice to see him fly a little bit more, even in that Toronto game where you could try to get him moving. I wish that Tibbs ran more for him, uh, quite frankly, but be happy with what we got. And uh, I look forward to many, hopefully more years of him as a Nick, but uh, Burks is the easy number one choice. So I think Toppin's the easy number two. Yeah. Uh, well said. Um, Detention is going to be a little bit harder. So again, detention, this is not, this is actually not detention. This is corporal punishment um, locked in a room with the lights off for a week. Um, (laughs) Being forced to watch what, what are they being forced to watch while they're in detention? I don't know. That's something we should think of. Wait, you got to watch stuff in detention. You don't remember the, what was that in? uh, Are you in homecoming? Spider-Man oh, Homecoming. Where the, okay. So you're in detention. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I, I'm thinking the Breakfast Club where they had that Saturday detention. Oh. They had to like, write something out that way. Well, whatever. I, I don't know what kind of detention this is, but it's 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 more than the average detention. Um, I don't know if I feel kosher about putting Julius Randle in detention. Uh, but read the reason he- why. Well, Julius it's, is physically in detention right now. Like exactly. he can't even it's, leave it's the room. Pro- so. Probably the best place for him to be, given all of the factors at play. Um, you know what? I, I, I don't know. maybe it's not the week to give it to him, but fuck it. I'm going to give it to him. Anyway. I'm going to give it to Fournier. Um, Fournier was what was he one for eight from the field against the Thunder? It's not good. Yeah, it was. It was really bad. He has 
Like, I'm not going to say he hasn't come up big all year. He obviously came up big in the first game of the year. But like, and he's made, he's made important shots and he has contributed to wins in a meaningful way. But I just, there is something about his presence on this team this year that just is like, he doesn't seem like he wants to be here. And I cannot escape that feeling. So for, I don't know if it's, if, if it's as much to do with that as like anything he did this. And I understand he's had, he was their leading scorer against the, the Raptors. I get that. But like, did he impact winning in one real cognizable way in that game? No. And like, I, I was sitting there watching that game and I'm like, man, this guy was wearing a fucking team France uniform. Like so different. It would be so like he plays with such piss and vinegar. And it's like, it's not fair to expect like Olympic level effort when you're playing, but like, don't be at the opposite end of the spectrum. And I feel like that's kind of what Fournier has brought generally this year. And um, yeah. So for, so for those and other reasons, I'll, I'll give it to Fournier. I think it's fair. You know, he needed to be the adult in the room and yeah. he was a scorer in the Raptors game, but he didn't do enough with the all around. I do think that I think Fournier has been better. I, I mean, I said the stats last week. I, they certainly didn't go up after this past week, but he's been better than I think people give him credit to be, but he has not been good and it's totally valid. Um, and I'm curious as to you know what they will consider with him moving forward, especially because if they still insist on this being Julius Randall's team, this town ain't big enough for the both of them. It seems so. Um, yeah. You know, it's really hard for me to pick a detention, Actually, funny story. I was in detention very briefly today. I, um, well, it's, it's funny, but basically my boss is a, he's awesome. He has one major flaw though. And that is that he is a diehard Hawks fan. And I was in a meeting when the trade dropped. It was a, you know, a zoom video call. And I was looking at a side of my screen and my boss said, oh, I know what Jeremy's doing right now. He's on Twitter looking at the Knicks. And I'm like, how does he know that? And it's like, and he said, my son programmed it so that I get all the shams and woes tweets onto my phone. So I'm like, great. All right. That's uh, he, so he busted my shops on that, which was funny. But um, you have a good boss. I do. I do. But in terms of reality, uh, <laughs> I see Joe Judges here and I... I mean, I think he's certainly worth putting in detention. He's an idiot. And I don't know much about football. And I genuinely believe I could probably get the offense to score zero to three points. Um, and if, I, his, if his it's rant. zero, like if John, it's zero, it's so bad. I, yeah, because I it's only it. three fewer points than what the Giants scored this week or basically ever. When you're up there trying to convince a room full of people that the culture has turned around on a team that absolutely shits itself week after week after week, that's not generally a good sign. It, it was very Fizdalian. Yep. And I, you know, if the Giants get blown out next week with Jake Fromm, so be it. All right. Let's let's see if there's any fallout from it because you, you blamed Jason Garrett, who also was... This is the fun thing about New York sports teams, right? There's not just a problem. There are multiple problems. But <laughs> I digress. In terms of detention, I'm just going to say the entire team. I'm I, like, I'm going to leave out Alec Burks and Obi Toppin. I'm just going to say the entire team. Uh, I think you could certainly say Tibbs is leading the charge. 
But at the same time, Tibbs isn't the one out there. He's coaching the team. He only has so much at his disposal and so much to work with. Still, I thought the way that he managed the game wasn't great. And the game, like specifically the Toronto game, but I thought he blew rotations. I still don't understand why he doesn't utilize Obi's uh, strengths more. I just, I would have well quickly in to start again. Like, as I said, I understand having Deuce in there. I get all of that logic. I just think it's whatever point being it's, it's not just Tibbs. It's the entire team. And yet again, they went two and two, John, they went two and two and it feels like they went on four. They did go two and two. Um, I think Tibbs is doing what he can here. Um, he and again, he is. He is doing what he can. I, I will go down with the tip. Not ship. helping his case. No. He, yeah. I mean, but then again, what, you know, what coach of a team that had that, that is, that is coming off of a, such a feel good season and now has such a feel bad season. Like it's, it's not going to look good. It's, it's not, not really it's, good. It's also not cause or just cause for firing, which is not what we want. You and I, at least. Just no. Things um, to clean up and you hope to get better and start winning more that, games. That would, that would be a mistake. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We have arrived at ground zero after 10 weeks, just back where we started with predictions. Five and five, Jeremy, five and five, me. With the one difference being, you're not coming off the win. Although I think you may have picked, did you pick first in, the, in week one? I did. You did. Okay. So we're, we're really we're literally starting over again now because, uh, you, again, you won last week because you took two and two. I took three and one. Um, Silly me. Uh, this is going to be. I think this is going to be pretty easy for me. The pre, oh, the pressure's on you here because there's only three games this week. So, and they're tough games. Um, I think they're tough games. We'll, you know, we'll see. So we have Knicks versus the Pacers. That game is at home uh, tonight. As you are listening to this, then Thursday our uh, Patreon. Uh, playback game in which uh, we will be on stage talking about the game as it happens. I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to just be full of uh, champagne and, and rainbows for, for that. That's against the Celtics again, Thursday night. And then another game against the Celtics, this one at the Boston garden or whatever the fuck they call it. Now doesn't matter uh, on Saturday evening. <laughs> so three game week Pacers, Celtics, Celtics, uh, Jeremy, your, your pick. Well, before I make my pick, I actually have a very brief announcement. Um, I won't be in the city this week after all. So I do have two tickets to the Pacers game. Really not looking for much. Don't want to sell them online because I don't want any Indiana, Indiana fans to snatch them up. Uh, so if you are interested, I'm really not asking for much. As I just said, go ahead and name your price. Hit my DMs. Also tickets to the Mavericks game the following week. Two of them. I uh, just feel like I should plug that too. The I think it's two ten for the um, it's two hundred nine for the Pacers game. They're my season tickets. I think they're pretty solid, and I think it's two ten for the uh, Mavericks game. That one be a little bit more expensive. Regardless, if you're interested, let me know. Let's make a deal. Okay, <laughs> let's make a deal. Moving on. Great game um, 
in terms of this week. I agree. I think the pressure is more on me than it is on you because of the fact the competition and everything. Considering how we are going into this, not knowing the status of Julius Randle and everything that we've seen. I know what you're going to do. I'm inclined to go with one and two. You're a motherfucker. Okay. Um, as I, it's funny. As you were repeating back what I said about the pressures on you, I'm like, no, it isn't. He's going to take one and two. And then I'm going to be forced to pick 0 and 3 or 2 and 1. Did you think I was going to pick 2 and 1? I wasn't thinking. Um, I wasn't thinking. Not the first time. Won't be the last. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. They're going to win two of these fucking games? <sighs> Jesus Christ. Has anyone, has any one of us picked an over week at any point in time this season? I think the closest we came to that was me thinking that the Knicks could go three and zero, and they went two and one. Wait, nobody, nobody, but nobody's picked a, a a winless week. No, right? No. I mean, listen the the Celtics nearly lost to the Magic at home, and I know the Knicks lost I, the Magic at home. I know, but Magic without uh, Cole Anthony. Yes, at least Cole was there for both of the both of the Knicks losses. <laughs> um. Yeah, it took 50 from from Jalen Brown to uh, to overcome that. The Celtics, I mean, I do think the Celtics, I've been watching a, like not a lot of Celtics, but I, I find myself all, tuning to them for whatever reason. Um, uh, God. I think 3-0 and is a very plausible. That's great. Option. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. I wouldn't take it because I already took one and two, but if I had to, I would consider it. That's great. Um I I mean I look I I I mean I hope I'm wrong. What do you want me to tell you? Uh, I I don't have a lot of confidence in this team right now. I'm going to take zero three. So let's say you're right. It is zero and three, and oh the Knicks boy. sit at seventeen and twenty three. Holy fuck! Uh, we could do this real quickly before producers corner. Um, so. I'm like going to my phone to pull this up. Meanwhile, I have a fucking laptop that I'm looking into. Uh, So the Knicks right now are in 11th place. They are, uh, are they tied? Yeah, they're tied record wise, or at least games back with the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks are fully healthy. Um, And they are also the uh, second best offense in basketball. So it's like we, we we talk a lot about it on the show is like, well, what you know, what's your calling card? Like, what are you as an NBA team? Like the Hawks know what they are as an NBA team. Their team scores a fuckload of points and they try to stop people when possible. Um, they haven't much this year, but they probably will be able to. That's the team the Knicks are currently tied with in 11th place. Um, the Pacers are three games back of the Knicks. So that means if the Knicks do go 0-3, at best, the Pacers if they go three and oh, we'll tie the Knicks, right? Um, that said, the Pacers do have a positive scoring margin. Uh, they have still scored more points than their opponents this year, despite the fact that they are nine games under 500. That's a talk about a ch- tough trick to pull off. Well, they're they've also they've, so many close games. I know that's why I, they're underwater. Even the other night, they, I think last night they lost about like six to the Cavs. Um, they're three and seven in their, this is the Pacers, they're three and seven in their last 10 games, they've lost four in a row. Um, I think what we're really, you know, the Pacers don't matter. I think what we're basically asking is if the Knicks went 0-3 this week with, again, some tough games on the schedule before 
tough doesn't begin to describe the next stretch of games. That is a hellacious stretch of games. Does it, does it, does the front office maybe start to, I, I don't know. What do you want to say? Uh, think differently about things. I mean, you could only convince yourself of so much for so long, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I don't want to see them go in three. I will. I want. I want to see you be wrong and me be wrong, and then go two and one or three and zero. Well, I'd still be. I'd still be right because I have the benefit of the doubt. Great. That's good for you. Um, it is. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We we we've said this is the seasons was at a yeah. We've said the season has been at a crossroads before. It feels like it's really at a crossroads now. Um, so we, you know, we'll see what this team is made of. Um, and on that note, Andrew Claudio, what do we got to finish up? So we have two things. The first is a bit of a show announcement that I will include you guys in and kind of ask you, John, to lead the charge. But a year ago, this upcoming Sunday, I think it is, is a full year that we have been with the Blue Wire Podcast Network and all the different ads that you've heard and different opportunities and guests that we've had on from the rest of the network. Uh, We've been happy about our time with Blue Wire. And it's why we are here to officially announce that we have signed a two-year extension with the network to be one of their two Knicks podcasts. Obviously Obviously, our friends over at Knicks Fan TV are part of this as well. But um, we... I, I'm, I'll speak for myself, but I'm pretty sure I can speak for both of us or, or all three of us that um, we're satisfied. We love the partnership, Tyler and uh, Andrew and, and obviously Kevin over there at Blue Wire. And we're excited to be part of the Blue Wire family for the next two years. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't I don't have much more to add other than the fact that uh, it is uh, cool when you're doing stuff that you're proud of and you're happy about and you're excited about to be with a group of people who are not only uh, equally as excited about what you're doing, but who also um, are putting forth a lot of other content that is equally exciting and high quality. So for anybody out there uh, who's listening that, um, you know, likes our show, uh, check out, you know, blue wires, other stuff. They have a ton of really great pods, NBA pods, as obviously you've heard guests on this show, who come from other blue wire podcasts, but they have pods about all kinds of stuff, uh, including even movie podcasts. I'll always get a shameless plug in for final review somewhere before we get done with the episode. It so. is appreciated. Um, Jeremy, I will say the thing that I thought is, is cool recently is like playback is a thing that we're allowed to do or able to do because blue wire goes to us. We're one of their high priority pods and we get the, prize picks uh, offer if we want to take advantage of that. We get the Manscaped ad that you all love to keep referencing to me because that's the week John lost his voice and I got to tell everybody what you can do with Manscaped. And, you know, I, I appreciate all these opportunities, but like you're going to be a little bit more involved this year with the, the Blue Wire process. So um, I figured if you wanted to say anything, you can. You guys said quite a bit, not much more. I feel is necessary to add, but it's been an honor and a privilege with you gents and uh, with Blue Wire and it's going to be a fun two years and then hopefully more after that. I think that's the the key part here is now we're, we're, in, we're in a long-term contract, guys. We're no longer in a contract year. 
We're, we're signed long-term and there's no, will we bring the effort? Exactly. I'm going to channel my inner Julius Randall after this, you know, just, Oh no. You know. Oh, man. Uh, don't, don't expect me to get back in transition. Yeah. Hey, what's yeah. uh, what's this uh, salary cap thing? Yeah. Shit about a salary cap. I don't care. I'm just cap or no cap or no, no, no just no, no cap. No cap. No cap. Whatever. No, cap. No, yeah. no need the, the eh plan, whatever, yeah. the, whatever you want plan. Yeah. And then speaking of final review, um, two things on behalf of Oz and I, thank you to the Knicks Film School audience that has really supported us and us trying to build something. And as we go into 2022, I just want to give a quick plug that we have a New Year's resolution and a goal that we're trying to get to 200 reviews on iTunes. And full disclosure, it's because that's the threshold you have to meet in order to become eligible for certification on Rotten Tomatoes. So head on uh, over to Final Review on iTunes. Drop a five-star rating and a review. In fact, just drop a review. I'm not even sure if it has to be five stars, but because you like me, please go give a five-star rating and a review. And it's, it's well on our way to hopefully um, some big things happening from us coming soon. And then... One thing we're going to do, I think, at the end of episodes that people liked last week when we talked about Spider-Man, I want to get your guys' opinion on a movie. And over the holiday break, a movie from Adam McKay and Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence called Don't Look Up hit Netflix. And I know you both have seen it. Enough time has come for people to have seen it on Netflix if they wanted to. If you haven't, this is the end of the show for you. We'll see you next week. (laughs) John and Jeremy, full spoilers, your thoughts on Don't Look Up. Uh, I'll be I'll be brief and then I'll turn it to Jen- Jeremy because we kind of talked about this a little bit on the, on the Patreon pod. Um, I liked it. I enjoyed my time watching the movie. I felt like the comedy probably lands better for some people than others. I think it depends on what type of a person you are. Um, for me, like obviously, it's poking fun at our present reality and. Um, I am more saddened by our present reality. And like a lot of the jokes that the, 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 the jokes, not that they didn't land, but it's like, okay, I get why that's supposed to be funny, but I couldn't, not that I couldn't even bring myself to laugh. It's just like, it didn't prompt a laugh from me, even though, again, it's very clear what they're trying to do and what they're doing is, is very smart. I want to be very clear about that. Also, I thought the performances were excellent. Um, as we discussed, uh, I'll, I'll let Jeremy vamp on Mark Rylance, but, uh, you know, Leo, uh, last living movie star. I'll, I'll just end it there. I loved it. I was hooked from the very beginning. It feels like a lot of movies, you need some time to really get into it. And this was like, Oh, look, we're seeing that something is headed towards earth. And just right from the get-go and the cuts that they made, the 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 humor, like the fact that uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character could not let go of the fact that they were charged money for free snacks. Yeah. Like <laughs> just the running gag of that. That was um, good. That was good. Yeah. The fact that no one knows what a Brontorac is. And then you find out at the end what a Brontorac is. Um, the irony of like Jonah Hill's character living through hell and then like live streaming to a world that really doesn't exist with no signal or anything and him having to kind of cope on his own, you know, it feels very much of a reap what you sow movie. And I didn't feel like I was being preached to because even though I agree with the philosophies that were being discussed, it was still like, yeah, you know, this there, the stakes are comparable to real life. 
And these are things that I think about on a daily basis. And it's very concerning. And it's nice to have something that it like you could call it propaganda. And I think you'd be very wrong. It's just, it is objectively a fact of what is going on in this world. Um, so it was nice to kind of see that and and laugh at it, but also have the reality sink in in a different kind of way. And then ultimately, I'd want to go the way that the characters, the lead characters went. If there is, you know, some sort of situation like that, um, hopefully there isn't, but we're running out of time. And um, yeah, it just, it was nice to see something that said, no, there, there are reasons to care. This is why this is what's at stake. I felt like uh, it was suspending belief at the same time of not doing it at all. So, yeah. and I just one thing I forgot. Very quick shout to. I'm not saying it was like the best performance of the movie, but the most. Like, this could absolutely be a, a real person in terms of the way they are and the way they're like literally every, everything about what they do. The um, Tyler Perry uh, talk show host, <laughs> yep. like that's. Like that, that could be that literally could be a, a, a person in the way they go about and like f- word for word. Uh, the, the getting serious news like the comet is coming and him saying, Can it hit my ex wife's house? Yeah. It's this place <laughs> in New Jersey if you with if the, it's at all possible with the let it's, it's yeah, <laughs> again, it, he's not gonna be nominated for any awards, but like talk about spot on, spot fucking on. And I do love Mark Rylance as Johnson. Mm-hmm. You know, I've oh, but- been fortunate to see him on stage. He's phenomenal. Uh, just everything he does, but like the the ability to mimic a multi billionaire who decides to privatize, a, you know, an asteroid that basically will wipe out all of civilization, uh, as far as we know it, and not care about the greater good to even any extent. I was like, yeah, no, that that feels dangerously realistic, and I hate everything <laughs> about it. But he did just such a good job of it that it's like this is this just feels believable also sorry Andrew, go, ahead, go ahead no, no, no go i was ahead. gonna say the woman the woman on the fake commercial that leo's on where she's like talking about what i'm pro what, comment <laughs> it will bring us jobs no, but the way she says i was talking to my friends about what could they what the job <laughs> what, what the comic could do for me it's that that see I'm, i i think it is a, it's gonna be a better movie on rewatch i haven't gotten around to the rewatch yet i just yeah it's a remi- it reminded me of every single commercial we've gotten during Knicks games that it's like go get the vaccine and they're trying yeah, to create like this yeah. this like everyday scenario that this comes up in everyday conversation. Um, you know it also. So, it, oh, go ahead, Jeremy. It, sorry, it rings true to a commercial we haven't seen in a while, but now hits even harder, which is uh, the off road commercial where it's like there's no road, zero road. Well, I guess I'll have to find my own path. <laughs> it's like yeah. there is no path because the world is over. so. Two things. One, the Rylance character being the way it is, you know, this movie has become a bit divisive because it's a little one way. I think collectively the influence of billionaires on political decisions is a frustration by everybody on every side, which is why his character, I think, actually is the most important in the movie to make it more of a general commentary than just a one sided, you know, hits all at this point. And so Oz and I got to see it early and it happened before Omicron surge. I think it might have just been announced that Omicron was like a thing. And so we saw it before any of the this, this wave that we've had. Also, before I've had the last two weeks that I've had for those 
that have asked and reached out. My dad is still dealing with the effects of COVID and he's not getting worse. He's just still has no taste. He experiences fatigue, has no appetite, has lost 17 pounds. Like this is not a thing that I recommend to anybody that I wish on anybody. And I did not, when I saw the movie the first time, have the overall frustration that I have now that like we're still in this and you can hear the lyrics of the Ariana Grande song like get your heads out of your ass and pay attention to the qualified goddamn scientists as like the thesis of the movie and yet here we still are dealing with this because there is a lot of agendas at play which is where the movie works even more so even if it is just all of us being frustrated at once that this is like there was a path out and people in charge did not make the correct decisions to get us out. And it's where it's on the nose, but so is Dr. Strangelove. And that movie is beloved by all. That was a good call when you, when you uh, called back to that as a movie that has has aged uh, very well, that had a, uh, well, when you say you, you mean, so Oz, I will credit Oz is the one that referenced that. I, I I think I referenced spinal tap as my like on the nose. (laughs) Uh, satirical they're, play, they're, but, they're, they're both good exactly uh, yeah so, so everybody just really quickly yeah i mean andrew you're saying how it's it only feels like it goes one way it's like well there's only one way we are going based on how things are presenting <laughs> mm-hmm. themselves and it's like again this is going to be on youtube and i'm sure that someone's going to comment about liberal bias and all, and it's just like it's 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 infuriating because of the fact that it shouldn't be political it should just be nonpartisan. Mm-hmm. There's a problem. We got to fix it. Yeah. Doesn't feel it like political, way, Jeremy. Don't look up. Um, just don't look up. <laughs> don't, uh, that's the <laughs> even better part. The actual title of the movie, when you realize why it's called Don't it's, Look Up. It's, it's pretty great. Um, oh, and, fri- and frightening. Yeah. Uh, okay. That was that was good. a good way to end it. Um, this was fun and uh, therapeutic, as always. That's what these are these episodes are turning into, free therapy sessions. Hopefully for our listeners as well. Uh, Jeremy Cohen, thank you, sir. Thank you, John. And Andrew Claudio. Thank you, sir. Fuck Tom Brady. <laughs> and everybody out there, thank you for checking out another episode of the Next Film School podcast. We will be back uh, with uh, another episode in a couple days uh, this week. In between, you will have, of course, a post game after the Pacers game, which I hope um, they win that and uh, make my prediction wrong this week. Until then, we will uh, talk to you soon. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.